From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Steve Cofield, Adam Hill, the Battleborn Radio Hour, Nevada Sports Talk Show. Ari is here. We're in Vegas. We're on in Reno as well. Let's get to our big Ford Four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number Four. Since we've done a Sports Talk Radio show for a long time in some form or fashion, we've seen fights. We've had fights. Sometimes they get physical. Not on this show. <laughs> right? But we've seen sports radio fights get physical. We saw a guy basically spear another dude a few years back. Sure. One guy's out of radio. One guy's a local play-by-play guy now. <laughs> I could go through all the fights over the years. It's a pretty heated environment. Very much, unfortunately, over the years, like a locker room. And when you get more diverse in sports radio... And women are in the house. I'm not sure if behavior needs to change. I know this. You better watch what you say during breaks. And you might want to be civil when you battle each other. Because in St. Louis, there's a dude there who's got some pretty big problems. By the way, how many fights have you seen? Verbal fights certainly happen. Oh, all the time. Very. I mean, it's like a, a twice, two, three times a week occurrence. On this show? No, just in general. I mean, I hang around a lot of studios, Steve. I have a lot of friends that are you radio. You hang around a lot of studios. I have a lot of studios, and they have it. The guy named Vic Faust, who does a sports talk radio show in St. Louis. He's also part of Fox 2 News for now. <laughs> well, he got mad at his female co-host. And the argument went on and on and on. And unfortunately, they also broadcast the show on YouTube. Dangerous. Oh. Multiple streams are dangerous. Oh, boy. Oh, I don't. You have a history of attacking me on air. Are you kidding? You and your big fat looking ass. Don't come back. Really? You're not my boss. I'll come. And I'll call you a every day. Okay, good for you. fat self-righteous that's me. And every day that you come in this studio, I will call you what you are. Oh, that nasty bitch. Okay. And the only reason you have this hey, job hey, is because of me. Hey, stop. Okay. Stop. And you can hear the aria of the show. It's like, please, stop. He's. I'm sure he wanted to say, Vic, your career's over. What are you doing what? here? And listen, I'm very pro-sports radio people, and arguments will happen. It's a heated environment at times. But... By the sounds of it, Vic Faust on Crystal Cooper, when it gets that personal and you're calling her fat and a B multiple times, uh, in total, the St. Louis Dispatch reports that he used profanity at least 40 times in a roughly four-minute rant. You attacked what me have constantly. I done five different times? You've attacked me four or five times. And Crystal, I've yes. never attacked you. You've yelled at me twice, and this the is the second is time in break now. The problem is, is that you think that whatever you do is right. No, I don't. I, shut, I will totally own it. You're up. literally explaining you no yourself. reason to bring up it to attack me on air yesterday, and you did. I did not attack you. Grow the it, up. Grow up. You grow up, you fat. I, 
Ah, you're an immature Ari. ass, you fat this. By the way, let me get it right. This is actually a hard rock station known as the Viper. Yay! Wake up with the crew! Here's the happy group! So that show is called The Edge. Oh, it's edgy. It, wa- it was called The Edge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, they might have went over it. Uh, Broses, also, relax. I think Ari played the wrong clip. That was that was our break. That was, that was just when we were at break, just a minute ago. Not true at all. That's exactly we, we, what not true at all. We don't we don't speak to each other like that on the show, and and rarely have we. We might get into some bust ups, but that's that's ridiculous and uncalled for. And I I want to know the whole story because I don't want to assume that this guy is a complete ass. But that sounds really 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 bad, and that got way personal. It uh, it does, but now it's kind. Of, it, I'm, I want. I want, I'm so for the equality aspect of it yeah. that I want, like, if that's how you treat the dudes around you, I, I don't, like, okay. I'm, I'm with, like, yeah, but you, here's act the thing. how you're going to act. Don't you, change how you're going to act because you can't, you can't, when there's women can't. in the workplace, like, we want to treat them But you can't, you can't speak to males like that either. I agree. But I think I think we're making, we and everyone is making a bigger deal because, oh, this poor girl got screamed at. Right. Like, no, she's a host like him. They're, they're on equal footing if you're... I think you should have a problem with anybody getting treated like that, but I feel like the story is kind of turning into of uh, women, you know, women in the workplace can get treated like this. That, the, the comments I'm seeing, you can't treat a woman like that. Well, you shouldn't treat anybody like that. Yeah. Like, the, let's let's forget the fact that it's a woman in the workplace, but yes, people are going to naturally feel a little bit more of a certain way because of it. But yeah, you can't you can't act like that unless you're us, and we do this all the time. We don't this we don't how, we don't do that all the act. time. That's not that is not true at all. Um, and if it was, the mics aren't on. And we're all a bonded exactly. group, and uh, no one's leaking the audio. But it's also we everyone. Do everyone is doing. Everyone is doing on. You know, everybody's doing radio shows or podcasts, and doing a video component and live streaming and all that stuff. And you have to turn off all of them when you go to break. Turn them all off. Don't just turn one off. Number three, big deal in the NHL. The Avs give Nathan McKinnon. Over $100 million in an extension. Not good news for VGK because he's awesome. He's good. Not good news for the rest of the West or the league because he's awesome. Well, and, and, by the way, another guy uh, who who walks it the, the straight and narrow. He is hardcore, and he demands a lot of his teammates. So not only is he a great player off the ice, he sets a standard. Check that. On the ice, he sets a standard off the ice. For sure, and and you, I mean, as you mentioned, bad news, of course, for the rest of the division, the West, rest of the Western Conference, that he's going to be around there and a part of this great team for a long time. But um, there is that aspect that they are paying him so much money, uh, deserved. He deserves all of it. They're paying him so much money that it is going to impact maybe what they're able to do from a salary cap perspective in terms of being flexible in that regard. So maybe, maybe the silver lining there. But yeah, he's awesome. He has uh, not only as a leader but as a player and a playmaker, uh, he's incredible. And so. Bad news for the division is going to be around, but maybe good news in that they lose a little bit of that flexibility if you just want to find some silver lining in all of this. Really? Yeah. Is he going to flop at some point in his career? Is that what you're worried about? No, but more like you might not be able to get, you know, that, you know, second line defenseman or okay. somebody like that but because you're around. But if he's delivering, you're fine with it. That's the going rate. The problem is when, and the Knights fell into this. The problem is when you sign an extension with Mark Andre Fleury at an advanced age, then you make a decision to bring in Leonard for a lot of money. Um, Mark Stone's got to stay healthy at his salary. Yeah. Patches could never stay healthy at his salary. Wild Bill with his salary. 
I, like, I don't think that's going to happen to McKinnon, but that is, that's the one small danger of signing someone to a massive max deal in the NHL. For sure, but oh, and I, I, I'm just making this point because of the con- contractual stuff that you just mentioned. Looks like maybe the Knights got rid of Max Pacioretty at the right time. Yeah. Like he did get hurt immediately and out for the year, a very serious injury at his age in particular after he left. So maybe you know that is something that has to happen sometimes with some of these big contracts. So you have to you have to understand how long they're actually gonna be playing at that level for, but I don't foresee any kind of drop off in McKinnon anytime soon at all. Number two. Big four for uh, four at four here on Cofield and Company. Adam Hill, Steve Cofield, Ari is in our Finley Toyota studio. Kyler Murray. End of the game, goes over to celebrate near the wind club at Allegiant. Looks like there were some friendly Cardinal fans there. And then a hand comes out of nowhere, and I called it a hammerfish yesterday. I guess it was more of a kind of a paw to the face, a slap to the face. What did you see on this video? And we'll talk about where this goes from here. So I've broken this down like the Zapruder film. I'm sure you did, dude. This is, you love this kind of stuff. I've watched it probably close to 75 times at this point. Very slow. Um Kyler Murray was absolutely 100% struck in the face. He believed, and you can watch the video and see, he believed a fan punched him in the face. I believe a fan was trying to do that aggressive slap the shoulder pad, like, yeah, all right, slap his shoulder pad. He missed pad pretty badly. And missed very badly. Yeah. Now, he was also reaching like over somebody. It was a weird angle. It was rough. But I think I believe that that's what was going on because if you watch in the aftermath, Kyler Murray immediately goes after who he thought did it was the wrong person, not the person that he thought, and not not to blame Kyler Murray. His back turned; it was weird. But he went after the wrong person, and the guy who actually did it was there, still celebrating, like yeah, yeah. It's not like he had like hid or was like shying away from it. He was still up there celebrating with Kyler as Kyler went after somebody else, thinking it was him. It was. It's a wild scene for sure. Uh, a police report was filed in the aftermath. Uh, police are investigating it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, with our friend Justin Watkins, we can find out if you're trying to do one thing and do another. If you're trying to slap a guy in the shoulder pads and say, "Hey, great game," and you hit him in the face, is that assault? I don't know. I yeah. think there's intent that high has five, to be there. High five turns into a slap in the face. What? Happens? Which is why we hate high fives. Right. Uh, one of the reasons you never know soft, where they're going to go. They're awkward. Soft fist bumps. That's it. Yeah. Not hard and no nope. power shakes. No. Power shakes oh, are done. The, the, the worst. But yeah, I, I, I'm I, very interested in how this proceeds and what goes on. Uh, and maybe the guy did. Maybe he was hitting him in the face. Maybe he was, you know, maybe he was in, in the mode, mode of like whatever exuberance. He just said, I'm going to I'm going to hit this guy in the face. I just don't think it was on purpose. Um, most likely. I know, you know, not. To make assumptions about football fans, maybe you know, tough to tough to pinpoint the shoulder pad when you've had a couple of drinks. Maybe it was uh, in the wind club. Yeah, so I, it, it's a really bizarre situation. Uh, I know there was some comments today uh, from Byron Murphy, who actually had the touchdown uh, that he scored in that game that set off the celebration. He said, "I'm glad I wasn't right there because I don't know what I would have done." That's my quarterback, and I'm going to protect anybody on my team. He also said the team has been watching the video. Uh, and he did say, um, looking at it, it was kind of weird. I don't know why he would do something like that. We obviously don't know the reasoning. I don't know if he was trying to hit shoulder pads or what he was trying to do, but obviously he hit him right in the face. So it's not a good look for that guy. Uh, it's the type of thing we can't really control, and we're definitely looking at this video at that video to this day. Number one. Last night's Monday Night Football doubleheader 
The game's blue, but Oof. more than that, the start time sucked. Really? I hated it. Don't ever do that again. That's Sucks. funny. I loved it. I hated it. Why Why are we crossing over two games? You know, I'm hanging out at different places. Like, I want to see separate games. They're NFL games. They deserve On Monday night, they deserve to be standalone games. Go back to what you used to do, and that is start one at 3 o'clock our time and 6 o'clock our time. And if the East Coast can't stay up for a 9 o'clock start, which I believe people would stay up now because of betting interest. Sure. Don't, don't do crossover doubleheaders. Sucks. I mean, I guess I am, you know, different from everybody else in that I'm almost always trying to be at a place with multiple screens anyway because even Monday Night Football, I want to be at a place where I can have baseball on. And you know, I do that at my house. I do that when, you know, when I go out. I want multiple. What if I want to hear the sound on both games? Oh. You can't. You can't. No, you cannot. For sure. You right. can't. Uh, but, I'm, I mean, I, I'm anti-sound in most cases anytime. Uh but yeah, you're right. You want the sound on. But what happened last night made it perfect. I mean, who wants to watch the second half of that game? It was good. You can switch to the other one. What if they were good games? That could change it things. It would have been a disaster. But you also have the second half of one and the first half of another. It's not like they're both coming down to the wire at the same time. East Coast game and a West Coast game. And the Midwest and East fans, South fans, they, they can stay up. They, <laughs> too bad. You're just not caring about anybody no, but I us. No, don't, I don't. They don't care about us. <laughs> They don't care about us in Vegas and Reno. They don't care. They don't care about Nevadans. They don't. Right. I'm for stagger. I want games starting from like 5 a.m. Sunday until like midnight Tuesday. We play all night, every night. That'd be great. But I I didn't hate it. On a Monday, keep the game separate. Don't ever, ever do that again. Big Four Force presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers in uh, Reno and Las Vegas. Number to call, 766-1400. It started with their game against the Rams, and it feels like they've come into this season with something to prove. They lost the game last year in the playoffs against the Chiefs that they played well enough to win. And Josh Allen was bananas in the playoffs last year, and he's picked up right where he's left off. And they made sure that they put us all on notice that they are the team to beat in the AFC no matter who won it last year. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno, Cofield and Company. Miles coming up here in a second. That was Dominique Foxworth on the Bills. I rarely jump right on critical tweets, but I just have to mention this one going into Miles. Someone tagged ESPN, ESPN NFL, ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, why so quiet about Brett Favre stealing money intended to help those in need build an arena at his daughter's school? Scandal shy all of a sudden? Cover it! Bruh, I wrote back. I was like, you don't listen to the show. Are you serious? I have to, I have to freaking hold back the animals on this show from just eviscerating and annihilating Brett Favre. And it started like... 10 years ago. Miles Simmons is with us. Miles, do you get stuff like this where it's like, hey, PFT, stop wimping out and cover a story? You know, Florio usually gets those emails, and uh, (laughs) I don't have to deal with them very often. Um, I I do sometimes get the complaints, especially now doing Monday mornings, because, you know, more people watch that. Then it's like, you really weren't listening to what it was that we were saying. Or what it is that like we write because I mean nobody should be able to accuse us of not covering stuff. We cover everything, especially when it comes to the NFL, including the that Brett Favre thing. So no, if Miles, you want to read more about it, you can uh, go to ProFootballTalk.com. 
No, Miles. Brett Favre's the golden boy, and you've never said a bad word about him, and you won't. I challenge you to do so. Okay. All right. <laughs> I won't then. I won't today. Just to, just to you know, shut down your challenge. <laughs> we just had a conversation, uh, Blaine Bishop, with the Titans uh, a little bit ago, and we were talking, we were talking about the desperation. Who's more desperate, Raiders or Titans? Uh, Titans, because they have a coach who's not in his first year, you know, I, I mean, like both teams need a win. Obviously you, you go and three, you're probably not making the postseason, especially with how competitive we expect the AFC to be this year. So, I, I mean, the, the Titans were the one seed last year. They got worse over the off season. They look much worse <laughs> now that they're playing games. I mean, like they got eviscerated by the Buffalo Bills last night. It, it wasn't competitive. And when you lose a game like they did to the New York Giants in week one, like that's bad. But it's also really bad the way the Raiders lost to Kyler Murray and uh, the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like both teams are desperate and both teams definitely need a win. But, I mean, if we're going to go by degrees, I would say the Titans need it more. The Are the Bengals bad? I, they're not <laughs> to quote myself and you know somebody a band that I really like they're not necessarily bad bad but they are not good and they are what? you know okay is that the bad is that the bad is that the bad bad not good because I did yes. see them play with Ghostface and it was one of the greatest experiences ever mostly because most, mostly because of Ghostface but yeah uh, well, they were fine. they were a good live show I, I love Bad Bad Not Good. I saw them a few weeks, uh, a few months ago, I should say, uh, down by Staples Center uh, or whatever the hell they call it now. And uh, Freddie Gibbs was also playing the show. So that was actually really cool. Anyway, yeah, the, the Bengals aren't very good right now in large part because their pass protection is an absolute mess. And I know that people want to talk about how, oh my gosh, their offensive line is this and it's that. And like, yeah, the offensive line's not been great. But the part of the problem is Joe Burrow. And, and like, nobody really wants to say that. Because we love Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, he's icy. He's, you know, he's so cool. Like, I, I want to be friends with Joe Burrow. He seems like a really fun guy to be around. But at the same time, he holds on to the ball too long. And sometimes he's not getting the protections right at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, we can talk about how they didn't play together in the preseason. And Burrow was out for a little bit with the appendix. But, like, it's a playing issue. When you're on the field and the dude's getting hit, you know, and sacked 13 times in the first two games, which puts him on pace to be sacked a whopping 111 times in a season, which you would have to think is not going to happen. But still, the fact that he's on pace for that after two games, it's alarming. And so because of that, it's not like their defense is awful, but whenever you're having to try and come back and try and come back and try and come back, you're getting off to slow starts. You're getting your quarterback hit. It's alarming, and and yeah, they're they're not a good football team right now. Are, I mean, I was gonna ask if the Bucks are a good team. I guess they are. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if Tom Brady is good anymore, but it's it's weird to me, and I want your take on this that he's like screaming at everyone, which we've seen him do many times before. But he's screaming at everyone. Yep, bro, you skipped a bunch of training camp, and you're not practicing on Wednesdays now. Who are you yelling at? Okay, I mean, like, I think he's mad because, like, I'll say this on this show because I didn't want to say it on PFT, but it's like, <laughs> my wife left me over this. <laughs> throwing the tablet. But, like, okay, I, the whole not practicing on Wednesdays thing, like, that's not a big deal. I, that That's something that happens with a lot of veterans, and maybe it's different because he's a quarterback, but, like, 
that's not a big deal to me. Like when I was covering the Rams, Andrew Whitworth never practiced on Wednesdays. He's old as hell, right? And he was younger than Brady. So like that doesn't the, the not practicing on Wednesday that doesn't mean anything to me. The screaming on the sideline, like, you know, he's still 24 when you like, dude, you're 45 years old. Like, come on, you know, like, let's start acting our age a little bit. You don't need to. And I know he's competitive and I know that that's one of the things that people love about him. And it's one of the things that has made him so successful. But at a certain point, he's starting to look a little ridiculous. Bruce Arians certainly looks ridiculous being all up on the sideline for no good reason when (laughs) you're not the coach. I, I don't understand that. That's entirely inappropriate to me. So I think the the Bucks, like they're a good team. They should win the NFC South. Nobody else in that division is any good. You know, I mean, the Saints are all right, but like they're not a real threat. So we'll see what happens in the postseason. But I I said that the the Buccaneers were going to win the Super Bowl because Brady. But the more I see this, like the more I think I I don't know if they're going to get past the divisional round in the postseason. I maybe not even the wild card. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk on Cofield and Company. Eagles are the team, right? I mean, you, it's, you can't bet them now to win the NFC title because the odds are under 5-1. to one. Yeah. Right now, the Eagles look the best. Uh, certainly, yeah. The, the Eagles absolutely look like the best team in the NFC, and I'm sure they're flawed, but I, the thing that's impressed me the most about them is the improvement from Jalen Hurts. Because uh, you knew Jalen Hurts can run the ball. He's smart with the way he runs the ball. He protects himself pretty well. Uh, but the improvement in the way he's throwing it is really, really significant. And, you know, that deep ball that he had last night on that touchdown, I mean, it was thrown absolutely in stride. And it's just not one of those things that you felt like you saw all the time from Jalen Hurts before. I mean, think about what they did last year when they completely redid their offense so that it was more oriented toward the run. And that's how they made it to the playoffs. And I give Nick Sirianni a lot of the credit for doing that. But, you know, Jalen Hurts obviously went back into the lab. He did a lot of work on his throwing and you can see it. And the other thing that he has now is a guy like AJ Brown and, you know, talk about the Titans, like they miss AJ Brown a lot. And the Eagles are absolutely benefiting from having him on the field, not just from like a reception standpoint, but also the way he can open things up for other guys. Primetime Kirk Cousins. Is awful. Never failed. It is. It is awful. And I wonder on the sidelines if Kevin O'Connell's like, "Wow, I had this, you know, project to take this guy to the next level." Like, I'm already freaking done. That was. I mean, we've done this so many times, and then he puts up numbers, and you're like, "All right, he's close." That was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, like, I tweeted it last night. Did did he think Darius Slay was one of his receivers? Like, why are you still doing that? Like, it was was the same drive. He should have been intercepted three times by Darius Slay, and finally Slay got him because he was just trying to force the ball to Justin Jefferson, and Slay was covering him very, very well. So, you know, it was kind of funny last week. uh, You know, my guy Mike Florio was talking about, hey, is Justin Jefferson going to be the MVP? Not if Kirk Cousins can't even deliver him the ball. I mean, my God, it was it was tough. Uh, is my is is my guy Mike McDaniel for real? Uh, I think so. I I feel really good about what Mike McDaniel's putting out there, and part of it is just the way that the guys stay the course and play for him. You know, it, it's hard when you're down twenty eight to seven at halftime to really think, oh yeah, we're still in this, we're still in this. But the way McDaniel's attitude has per you know permeated through that team. 
it, it seems like they are good to go in whatever situation they have to be in. And like, this is going to be a huge test. McDaniel said it yesterday in his press conference that, you know, what better way to see where you're at than going against the best as they face the bills um, on Sunday. So we'll, we'll see what happens there, but the, the, it's not like the Ravens are a bad team. You know, you got Harbaugh after the game talking about, gosh, I've never imagined that there would be so many balls flying over our heads like that. And, you know, give Tua Tungavailoa credit too. He's got to get it there to Waddle and uh, to Tyreek Hill. And they make it easy on a QB, but the QB still got to do it. So, I mean, nobody had thrown that many touchdowns for the Miami Dolphins since 1986 in Dan Marino. That, that tells you a lot about that performance. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk. Last uh, 45 seconds here, I didn't trust in the big galoot. Dan Campbell, is this all Ben Johnson or, you know, personnel? I mean, at least offensively, they're pretty dangerous. Uh, they're dangerous, but it's not like they're going up against, like, the greatest of competition yeah. in the Washington Commanders. I mean, yeah, they came back against Philadelphia Eagles, but, I mean, the Eagles might, may or may not have left their foot off the gas. Let's see what the uh, Detroit Lions do after a couple more weeks. Raiders-Titans, who wins? Uh, Raiders, because uh, I don't know how the Titans are going to score. And I at least know that the Raiders have some weapons. That was such an enthusiast. You're like, Raiders, uh, I guess. Well, you know why? Because I was bullish on the Raiders, and yeah. they have disappointed me in these first two weeks. Come on, Josh McDaniels. Get your team to finish. At Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter. Miles, thank you. Thank you, guys. Take care. There he is. Short and sweet. Miles Simmons. Bang, 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 bang. How good. fired up are you for the big loot? Oh, it's good. I mean... Look, I've, I've got the galoot. I've got the genius in Miami. I've got a lot of coaches I'm rooting for. It is Ben Johnson, though, and it is talent evaluation. There's actually talent around Jared Goff, and Ben Johnson is going to be, with this collection of players, they're better than they were. He is going to be a head coach somewhere down the road. It's Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and company. Every game's hard. You gotta fight for 60 minutes because you obviously have to understand that you, when you fight and strain for that long, it may not be enough. It isn't because every team's good. Every team plays talented. Tennessee, we're gonna play this week, is coached very well. They have very good players, and it's gonna be a battle this week. It's gonna be a tough test, and it's come down to the end. And we're gonna have to execute in the at later portion of the game to make sure we win the game. Now back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Adam Hill, Cofield. You like Mick Lombardi? What are your impressions so far as uh, the sort of OC? Yeah. I mean, and it's not an insult to him. We know that with the, the new makeup of a lot of teams, the OC is doing a lot of work during the week, but on game day, it's a collaborative effort with, I think, right, Josh McDaniels leading yeah. the way and making the majority of the play calls. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, like I said, I listened to Mike McDaniels' press conference yesterday in, in Miami, and he was talking about the same thing. He said, you know, it's collaborative. We, we have a lot of people making decisions. It's like, I'm still calling plays, but we have – to have all those people in the spots to make those decisions. I give these guys credit, man, because I, I think it's a problem right now for your guy, Nate Hackett. I think he's it's, having trouble with it, and it's something I pointed out to the Denver radio people who came on and they're like, no, ah, no problem. Like, he's a first-time head coach, and he's calling plays. The clock management's a disaster, fourth-down play calls. It, it's been a freaking mess then, so far. And then he had, you know, famously trying to explain his ridiculous decision in week one. He said, hey, we have a line. And then this past week... They were inside that line and then took a penalty to go right about to where their line is, and then they punted. Like, like, if that's your line, I thought you were kicking, especially because you're in Denver. It was weird. They're down three. It was a whole thing. But, yes, it is, it's tough to assume a head coaching role, still continue to call plays. So you do have to have a coordinator. And I think uh, this is a, a situation where Mick Lombardi is learning still, 
he's going to be an offensive coordinator. He is one now, but he's going to be a more traditional offensive coordinator at some point in his career, and he's trying to learn how to do that. And and, and I find he's kind of growing into it a little bit. I think you could tell his first couple of press conferences in the offseason, uh, you know, he's he's more getting more comfortable with it. Now I think he's 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 learning more and more, and he's saying more and more, and you understand where his uh, thought process kind of is. So, um, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed kind of being around him a little bit, uh, to answer your question, for huh? sure. Think about the Broncos having trouble with a veteran like Russell Wilson. Imagine if... And this is what McDaniels faced years ago. It was his choice. Imagine if you were working with a quarterback like Tim Tebow. Oh, right. Oh, it's rough. rough you you said about. over something today, auctioning off a Heisman trophy. What? I don't know what this is. So who's Heisman trophy? His own. What does he do? Get so it back. Apparently every year he auctions off his Heisman trophy for charity and the person gets it for, I believe for the full year. So you get to keep it at your house. Yeah, it's or yours. Wherever your office, wherever you're for a year. If you want to go Stanley Cup with it, you can do that too. You want to sleep with it? I thought uh, do he's done it for at least the last eight years. Don't tell Tebow you're sleeping with it, though. Well, it might not be the weirdest thing. Uh, one year, Kathy Lee Gifford won the Heisman. We have no idea what she did with it. Uh, apparently, Luke Combs also won it, and he's been kind of the most outward with his trolling with it. So Luke Holmes, huge Georgia fan. That's a good purchase. So he would buy Tebow's Heisman, or he did buy Tebow's Heisman for the year, so that he could really have some fun, including... For a good cause. Sure. Uh, And I think they're friends, so I think it's kind of more of a fun thing. Uh, He used it as a hat rack at the front of his house. All right. Where the the Heisman is just like on a shelf, and he would come home every day and put his Georgia hat up on on the Heisman hat rack. So that was fun. He also would do... Videos in all Georgia gear with the Heisman Trophy dressed up in a Georgia hoodie and a Georgia hat on the Heisman Trophy. That was won by Florida alum Tim Tebow. Uh, But he just continued to do things over and over with the Heisman Trophy. Now, Tebow has fired back. It looks like he's using using Luke Combs' Country Music Award that he somehow got as a household appliance in his kitchen. So he's kind of trolling him back a little bit. It's fun. I don't. Would you buy the Heisman for a year? To troll Tebow? To troll anyone? I don't. I don't. Do, I mean, yeah, I guess if it was someone else, you'd have to. We'll have to put together a list of who we could troll. Georgia, Florida right. should never go away. That's a great rivalry. The you know the cocktail party thing. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State announced that once Ooh. Oklahoma joins the SEC, Bedlam is done. I love the realignment stuff. The conference changes, but this is one of the things I freaking hate. Big time. You're listening to Cofield and Company with the uh, Battleborn Sports Hour presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Sam Pennyotovich from Fox Sports and Nesson. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Happy Tuesday, pal. What's going on? Lots to get to, lots to recap. Um, I know last week you had put out... Sort of um, an informal poll, or you were tracking uh, who was going to play the Bears. Like, I think there was a set of experts you you pointed out that a lot of people were on the Bears against the Packers, and man, it didn't work out. They weren't close, and now the Bears are what four and twenty four last twenty eight straight up against Green Bay. Yeah, Rogers all time twenty eight games, twenty one and seven against the spread <laughs> against Chicago. That's pretty good. Um, how about this, too? This is something you can write down and use going forward. The Packers 
have won and covered their last 12 games after a loss. So the resiliency continues to be there for Aaron Rodgers and company. And look, man, you look at that board right now, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, this opened about three, and now we're down to one and a half at the Westgate, one and a half at win, a couple ones offshore. Tampa Bay uh, getting bet against by respected players. Tampa Bay open three, now minus one and a half. Adam, you're just crapping on Brady a little bit for being out of control. Yeah. So what are you going to do with this game? I mean, Green Bay hasn't exactly looked uh, to be world beaters either. No. Uh, but I have a little bit more confidence in them. And their, their defense is playing well. On the other side, Tampa Bay is getting desperate. I mean, they're signing Cole Beasley uh, off the streets to try to play. They have nobody to throw to. That's part of the issue, I think, uh, with Tom Brady. So I haven't made a decision necessarily where I'm going, but I, I, I have reasons right now to think about Green Bay. Sam, where is this number going to settle? I think Tampa closes the favorite, but I mean, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Green Bay minus one. Here's probably the most important thing in this game that nobody's talking about. Akeem Hicks is one of the best run stoppers in the NFL. He was signed by Tampa in the offseason, and he's going to be out a while. I think a plantar fasciitis uh, situation down there, he's not playing. And he's their best run stopper to go up against the Green Bay offense that just ran the snot out of the ball against Chicago. So, Assuming Green Bay does what they did the last couple of weeks, try and run the ball, set up the pass via the run, that's a big deal for Tampa. I mean, the, the bodies, Adam just sort of hinted at it. They're dropping like flies. You know, to not have Akeem Hicks up there on the potentially without Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones at receiver. I mean, the, the Sharps are clearly on Tampa here, or on Green Bay, excuse me. And then you look at the total, too, guys. Open 48. We're at 41 right now. The total has dropped a whole touchdown. How are you off to an eight and two start in and by the way, very humble about it. I didn't see you like celebrating on Twitter, but you're eight and two in the super contest so far. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't know that. I didn't tweet a bunch of green check marks or emoji <laughs> cash bags. My you God. know, I mean people stop doing that, please. It's it's amazing. Well, you know, my favorite people are the people that like all they do is tweet check marks and then when they lose they just ignore it. So I you know, I've I have lessened on the uh, social media celebration tour, if you will, but um, it's been good. I mean, you know, you fade the overreactions after week one and a week two. I mean, I couldn't, I mean, looking back, you know, hindsight's always 20-20, but how did the Cincinnati Bengals go from a two-point dog to a seven-point favorite? (laughs) Dak Prescott's not worth nine points of the point spread. So, uh, really, it's, it's sort of, you know, Finding the right underdogs. I mean, I think I picked four underdogs in each of the last two weeks. You have to bet the ugly teams from time to time. And, look, I mean, it can only go down from here, right? Eight and two through ten. I like where we're at. I was laughing, though, because I pulled up the standings in the Super Contest, and I'm like, wow, eight and two. We're probably in the top ten. Wrong. 31st. <laughs> Somebody went 10 and 0 already. 10 and 0. Wow. Well, I mean, I assume at some point they're going to lose. Uh, but I don't believe you're eight and two because I didn't see any cash bag emojis. <laughs> Come on, man! I know. Pump I know. I, I will work on that. Yeah, I'm gonna. I need to get more creative here. You know, because every every time somebody wins on social media, you never hear the end of it. Were you on the Jets? I did not take the Jets, but I was. I was actually texting with a couple bookmakers uh, at the end of that game because our, our buddy, the bartender, was on Cleveland. You know, <laughs> oh, he, no, the he, ultimate he, mush. I, no. Yeah, he sucks, man. He's so bad. He's one and one and three now this season, and he had Cleveland minus six and a half. And I, you, you'd be amazed at how many bookmakers when they see that bet from the bartender, they're like, "Oh, this is good." 
So he had Cleveland minus six and a half. And I mean, they're up 13 points with like less than two minutes to go and lose that game somehow. I just, I pictured you, Cofield, big Jets guy. I pictured you and Fireman Ed like just slamming beers rooting for Flacco. Did that happen or not? You'd be surprised. That was outside uh, Allegiant Stadium getting ready to go to the Raiders game uh, in person as a fan, which is kind of why I don't go to games as a fan because then you're cut off from the world. Oh, you can't go to games I, on I, I missed. I missed the comeback with Joe Flacco. You can't go to games. Sundays, I don't I go know. anywhere anymore. I, I learned this lesson. Mitch Moss at Beeson said this a long time ago. He's like, I don't leave the house on Sunday. And if you go to a game, like say, for example, like out here, I go to a Patriots game, which is 45 minutes from Boston. It's in Foxborough. Yep. If it's a, a one Eastern kick, I miss every one o'clock game. And then I'm either way too drunk or I'm still in transit or both. And then maybe I get back by Sunday night. You, you miss everything. And I, in the NFL, you got to have at least two or three screens to watch all the action. Ditto on all of the above. Yeah. Uh, Ravens and Patriots. All right. Is uh, the Boston market getting a little more bullish on the Patriots? Uh, what's going on here with the Ravens now nationwide minus three? No, they still hate New England up here, and that's because the offense has been really bad. Um, there are only two teams, Stephen Adam, that have scored less points than New England. Um so far this season, New England has 24 points in two games. Dallas has 23, and Indianapolis has 20. So I think the disdain stems from the fact that the offense doesn't really have a conductor. Nobody knows who's calling plays. And whoever's calling plays doesn't trust the quarterback that they drafted in the first round last year. So it's a very weird mix. I tell you, man, I, I watched Belichick's postgame on Sunday, and I heard him a little bit today. Like, that guy is so freaking excited to win 17-14. He's almost like, you know, archaic at this point. Like, you know, in a league full of guys that are throwing for 300, 400 yards and multiple touchdowns, Bill is still content winning, like, ugly rock fights. And I think you look at the total. The total sort of tells a story here. The total, 43 between Baltimore and New England, and that's sort of like a Belichick total, if that makes any sense. Because if Baltimore has its say, Baltimore wins this game, you know, twenty-eight to twenty, maybe into the thirties. New England wins this game, it's twenty-three twenty, you know, twenty-one seventeen. So I think it really depends on if New England can stop the run and bottle up Lamar Jackson. That's what Belichick wants to do, and we've seen this. I said this today on television. If it's fourth and one at midfield, Baltimore's going for it. There's no doubt. If it's fourth and one for New England, they are punting that sucker away <laughs> and trying to pin Baltimore inside the tent. So it's a tale of two teams, two completely different styles. But the way that the total opened tells me that New England's going to probably hang around in this game. I don't love this side. And the total 43, I sort of, like 43, 43 and a half, I sort of lead under. Uh, but that's because New England's offense just sucks. It's so bad. Well, you said you said Belichick's content winning games like that. Do you think he has to do it because of personnel, or do you think he wants to try to win games like this just to show how great of a coach he is? He's a little bit of a cynic, Adam. To be completely honest with you, I mean, you know, hey, I don't need you know these high-powered quarterbacks and these big wide receivers and all that. But then you look at the weaponry. I mean, his his number one wide receiver coming into the season, Devontae Parker, didn't even have a catch last <laughs> week, and that's supposed to be Mac <laughs> Jones's go-to guy. And it's just not what it is. You know, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, who you guys know pretty well, uh, Jacoby Myers, that's sort of Max' go-to guy de facto, I guess. And then 
they have two running backs that they like, and Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson behind a pretty decent offensive line. But I really think it's a case of Belichick doesn't trust the quarterback to sort of paint an open canvas, if that makes any sense. Like, he's going to keep it scripted. He's going to keep everything tight and close. He doesn't trust his quarterback. So, yes, he's more than willing to find himself in one of those games where he doesn't let Mac Jones throw the pick six or throw three interceptions like Kirk Cousins did last night. He is very, very content with keeping this thing close and letting his defense do the work down the stretch. Cofield and company with Sam Paniotovich from Nesson from Fox Sports. Let's go rapid fire on some college games. You were talking about the total of uh, New England games a minute ago. Rutgers and Iowa are playing <laughs> in uh, rock fight. what could be a raucous atmosphere, but they're not going to have a lot of offense to cheer for. 35 is the total. I can't believe it's that low, but then again, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet the over. I'm seeing 34 and a half circa Ooh. Westgate South Point. So it's uh it's dipping down. I mean, you know, I love to play this game with myself internally. I, I ask myself out loud, how many touchdowns? And with Iowa and Rutgers, I'm at like three. Mm-hmm. So that's twenty one. Are they gonna field goal me to death to go over? Like I'd I'd probably still go under thirty four. That's that's seventeen thirteen, pal. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Neither team really has a good quarterback. Both coaches play it close to the vest. Adam, will we see a team punt on third down in this game? I think we might. Just get rid of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yes, plus 115. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Notre Dame, one and a half on the road, kind of reeling right now. They finally got a win against Kyle. They're playing North Carolina. Yeah, they stink. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm worried about this is one of those games where, and I'm sure I'll talk to the bookies later on in the week, this will be one of those games where eight out of ten bets will be on Carolina. So I'm, I'm just a little cognizant of everybody loading up on North Carolina, and this it looks so easy. It looks like a free spring, uh, free space, excuse me. So I'm, I'm going to stay far away from this one. Uh, we'll probably see some good points in this. I, I lean to the over 55 and a half, but it, it looks so easy to take Carolina. Notre Dame open minus two, and now we're at Carolina minus one and a half two. It, something's fishy there. Something's going on. We have Von Tobel on every week on Mondays, and of course he's part of the company, John Von Tobel from VSIN, and he's been trying to get us to pump the brakes on SC. This is a really tough spot, and I wonder where the money's going. They're in a night spot uh, at Oregon State. So I was texting with some guys at the Westgate. They said that there's an 11 to 1 ticket count already on USC. So for every 12 bets, 11 of them on USC, one on Oregon State. Yet the line opened Trojans minus seven on the road. They got to go into Corvallis for a 9:30 Eastern, 6:30 Pacific kick. Um, Oregon State, not really a great program year to year, um, but you're seeing some respected money for sure on the Beavers here. From seven down to six and a half, Circa has a six, Westgate has a six. You're seeing a pro against Joe Card right now, where the pros are on Oregon State and the Joes are on USC, and that probably continues through Saturday. Sam, to close, where can people find uh, video content up on the web with all your Nesson stuff? Yeah, you can just go to NessonBets.com. I appreciate the opportunity to plug that. We do all of our shows. We do two shows a day, and everything goes up on NessonBets.com. Um, and I, I remind you, the most important thing in this entire segment is to remind you that the bartender is one in three. <laughs> basically, like, he has no idea. Like, left is right and right is left at this point. When he gets in that hole, it's trouble, buddy. So beware for what he fires this weekend. Sam, thank you. Peace. We'll see you. Sam Paniotovich. At SP Shoot. At SP Shoot. 
if you see a picture on his account, follow him at SP Shoot. If you see a picture of Sam holding a bottle, an expensive bottle of liquor, that means that the bartender has made a pick. And this is a guy over the course of his career with Sam is like 39% ATS. Absolutely fade what he bets. Billion percent. He's a disaster. The best advice you'll get all week in betting. Nevada's playing Air Force on the road. Air Force is off a loss last week against Wyoming. It's 24 and a half. I may be on the Wolfpack. I don't believe Air Force is that good defensively and nowhere close to last year. Nowhere close. This is a big number. It's a lot of points. But uh, the question going is. There's a reason. If, if you can stop the run, then 24 is very manageable. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company. You can listen every day, four to five, actually three to six. Listen to the whole show. Battleborn Sports Hour, LBSportsNetwork.com.